0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We made it. Week in review time. Friday. I know. I'm very tired today. This was this has been this has been an exhausting week. Uh this sets up uh, they're all a little bit exhausting, but Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a bad start to a podcast because Uh, As I've been saying all week long, if you're listening to these shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or Friday, there's likely a uh, YouTube component that's also happening as well. So I would kindly ask those of you that are listening on the recorded side, if you have a minute, try to pay attention to my Twitter at Dan Bespris and uh, come hang with us on YouTube. And while I'm trying to get this this show started, uh, some of the YouTube chat room folks are attempting to guess my Facebook password, um, and I got a little bit of a chuckle out of that. So hello everybody, welcome to the Friday Fantasy uh, NBA Today podcast, it's a week in review episode, we'll go through the ads, the drops, the holds, the watch list, the buys, the sells, the streamer board, better known to those that follow on Twitter as the burger board, it's taken on a life of its own. Uh, and then we'll get to a little week end in review going towards the end of the show as well. So you guys kind of know by this point, we're the 14th fourteenth week of the fantasy basketball season. If you don't kind of know the way our Friday shows go by now, it probably ain't going to happen. But follow me on Twitter anyway, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I used to spell that out with military letters because some of those, what, they do... Mush together a little bit. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Dan Vespers on Twitter. Follow Sports Ethos on Twitter. I have no idea how the Ethos Fantasy BK feed doesn't have like 30,000 follows. It's so good. It's the second fastest feed behind just Underdog and has fantasy analysis built in. Also, it's sourced, which I've actually uh, tweeted at Underdog to see if maybe they'll start sourcing some of their stuff. Uh... But I don't. It's probably not fast enough. And that's what takes an extra minute or two. Make sure you got the right beat, beat writer, and all that good stuff going on. Follow Ethos Fantasy BK. Those guys are working so hard over there, and that is such a good fantasy news feed. But let's eh, no need to screw around. Let's just dive right on in here. We'll start with the ads of the week, and uh, there are only a couple of them this time around. This has been kind of a slow week for. Big-time ads, at least in terms of uh, non-streamer board stuff. Now, remember, we don't want to get ads and stream guys confused. The the stream board is a bit of an extension of the ads, but I try to make the ad players, those that fall into this category, the guys that I think have rest-of-season appeal. Streamer board is not rest of season they are ads. Yes, from a technical sense you're still adding them to your team but you're adding them with the the idea that there's a finite timeline on how long they'll be on your basketball club. What I could do I suppose to make life simpler is not split the two apart but instead list the streamers as ads and then you know how long or what player they're tied to, but I count on all of you guys to be kind of aware enough to to make that call yourselves. So, sorry if I'm making you do a little bit more work, but that's just the way it is. Jalen Duran is the first on our ads board. I don't think that there's going to be much in the way of uh, argument on the ads this week either. Duran looked amazing in his return yesterday for the Pistons. He only played 18 minutes, but that'll ramp up. Uh, He hadn't played in about two weeks. They traveled abroad. It would be a weird time to just drop him back in for 35 minutes, but he had 11 points, 12 boards, a steal, two blocks, four for four shooting, The defensive stats were a bit fluky for Durin. He doesn't typically block that many shots, but it does feel like he can get over one combined defensive stat, even if you're not going to expect three. The rebounding is repeatable. We've seen this. He is a monster on the glass. Get him back on your fantasy team if he somehow got dropped during uh, either the injury or simply the fact that Detroit only had a one-game week. I know plenty of head-to-head leagues where he got dumped because a team just couldn't sit out a one-gamer that might have actually turned into a zero-gamer, because we didn't even know if he was going to play. Next name on the ads board, and I know we're moving fast through the ads, but again, I really feel like these are self-explanatory. Cam Johnson made his return for the Suns last night. That was also fun. He played 22 minutes and was flat-out brilliant. This is way more than any of us expected. I don't think... I mean, I certainly didn't have the stones to play him in any of my Roto Leagues in a first game back after missing, what was it, two and a half months? Almost three? He was out forever. 19 points, six boards, two assists, a steal, two blocks, two three-pointers, nine for nine free throw shooting. Now, this type of line probably doesn't hold as the team gets healthy. He's not going to have... 30 usage, which was, I think, second on the team among the regulars behind actually DeAndre Ayton, interestingly, yesterday. Uh, now, you know, Devin Booker saps most of it. Chris Paul's going to take a bunch of it. But Cam is, good, is really good. And the reason the Suns have kind of been willing to, to squat on Jay Crowder all year while he's been demanding a trade and not trying to do something sooner is that they have a lot of faith that Cam's going to be the, you know, 30 some odd minute guy when he gets healthy and he's excellent. We saw it last year. You know, we don't need again, I, I don't know why I'm even going into this much detail on Johnson, but I did get some questions that were like, hey, what can we reasonably expect from Cam once he gets ramped up to full tilt? Well, he's inside the top 75 right now in 25 minutes per ball game. His production per minute will taper off a little bit. Maybe look more towards the beginning of the year, uh You know, when he played 31 minutes and had like 19 points, seven boards, but not a ton in the defensive stats category, you can't expect him to rack up steals and blocks. Another time to look at it would be those handful of games late last year when Jay Crowder was hurt or Devin Booker. Now it's different because, you know, when Booker's hurt, the shots are going to go up way higher. When Crowder was out, the playing time went up and the shots per minute didn't actually change all that much. But when he was out there for 30-plus minutes, he was scoring between 12 and 20 points pretty much every single ball ballgame uh, reliably, getting you generally between 4 and 6 rebounds per game, 1 or 2 assists. He's not a big passing guy. He can get you about a steal, maybe a tiny bit over that, but also like 2 to 3 3-pointers three per game, and he's a good foul shooter. So, yes, the per-minute production does probably level off and come down. But he's a mid-80s foul shooter. He is efficient while also hitting a bunch of three-pointers. Uh, I think you should be excited. I think he's got top 75 appeal, which is really, really good. Think about it. That's like the end of sixth, beginning of seventh, basically. And the third name on the ads, and I, I, I don't know why he needs to be back on this board, but I actually got a question earlier today as to whether someone should add... Walker Kessler and I'm like are we all looking at the same thing here because I mean let's look at the last month for Kessler I you know you don't need to look at the entire season if we look at the last month and this is the screen that's being shared he's number 55 over the last month that's a long time to know that he needs to be picked up and still to be wondering if he should be picked up I don't mean to yell at everybody but come on let's get into the drops next Uh, Isaiah Stewart, I believe, is a drop now that Jalen Duren is back. We saw when he was power forward, he simply wasn't putting up fantasy value because the rebounds come down. The the near-the-bucket stuff comes down for Stewart in those spots, meaning fewer blocks as well. He slides away from the basket. Field goal percent goes down. Three-pointers might go up, but I don't care. That's not why you want a, a center on your team. Daniel Gafford is a drop. I know, sad times are these. I really. It seemed like he was going to stick a bit because they were playing better when Gafford was seeing big-time minutes. But there are just enough options now for the Wizards to kind of mix and match a little bit. They'll try to figure out what fits on any given night. Some nights that might still be Gafford, but a lot of nights it won't be. And we need it to be every night, or at least like three out of every four nights, and we can't make that promise right now. Jared Vanderbilt. There's a lot of centers, by the way, on the drops list. Jared Vanderbilt is a drop. We're seeing it with uh, Laurie Markkinen coming back. Kelly Olenek still not even back in the picture yet, and he probably does slot in and pushes Markkinen down to small forward, and Walker Kessler sticks there. There's really only room for one between Vanderbilt and Kessler in the Jazz rotation on a regular basis. They are the rebounding big men that don't spread the floor, Everybody else is supposed to spread wide and create a lot of room. Meaning, if if Kessler's on the way up, Vanderbilt pretty much has to be on the way down. And if he's already on the way down when Olenek's still out, Kelly is a floor spacer. So there's room for him in a way where there just isn't for Vanderbilt. And Kessler's a better room protector, protector than Vanderbilt. So that's why he's kind of winning that battle. Thomas Bryant is a drop, which again, I could have just taken him off the stream board, but I felt like it needed to be like a little bit more emphatic in what I was doing here. uh he's being played off the floor by opposing teams and Lakers have the Grizzlies coming up, which is gonna be rough on Thomas Bryant. that's that game screams terrible matchup. And the only way he has a de- a better ball game is if Memphis kind of just cakewalks into this one, but if LeBron is playing, which he's questionable. I think LeBron sits this one out. I don't know what's going to happen. We still don't have word on that. Um, but this feels like the kind of game where LeBron might just, you know, take a day off because the Lakers ain't going to win it whether or not he plays and just make sure he gets himself right for the next one. It looks like the whole team's getting a little bit tired based on what we saw in that Kings game. That's the only way I could see Brian have a better game, is if LeBron sits and Memphis is like, oh, so we don't really have to try tonight? And then they just sort of coast. But we're seeing the Grizzlies smash teams even when there is that risk of coasting. So I think Bryant's a drop. Basically, everybody the Lakers have played lately has been able to get at him, and he can't stop anyone in the paint. He has zero defensive ability for a while. uh, Lakers were playing a a ton of drop, and teams were settling for wide-open jumpers. And now they're like, well, we don't even need to. Like We can go right at a dropped Thomas Bryant and still score an easy layup. He can't stop him even when he has seven, eight feet of room to back up. And I put Dennis Schroeder on this list because people kept asking, hey, what about Dennis Schroeder? And on this podcast, this very podcast, I have said many times, his fantasy game doesn't really translate. He needs everybody to be out and getting like 15 to 20 shots for it to work, and you can't promise that. And also he cooled off after a hot run, which, again, law of large numbers. So nah drop away folks picture this nightmare scenario you're hosting friends for the big game it's neck and neck in the fourth quarter and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks boo say all of your friends you start to sweat There was one week where I called them tough holds and people got really upset because they were like, this guy's not that tough to hold. And I was like, you're missing the point. Tough hold just means that maybe there was a person that was like, do I need to hold on to this guy? These are the holds right now. Sadiq Bey is a hold. Um, I I have a feeling he does still fall off, uh, but I want to give it a little bit longer because he still looked pretty good in the last one. And the question becomes, as Jalen Duran's minutes ramp up, We know Isaiah Stewart gets pushed farther from the bucket. So just from a fantasy standpoint, yes, it hurts Stewart a lot. But on the Bay front, is it more about the minutes? Because if we take the minutes away, then the shots go down. Sadiq Bey only valuable when he's getting a whole lot of looks at the bucket. And he has been lately with some guys hurt in front of him and so on and so forth. But I would say hold on to him for now. Uh, Let's see how this thing plays out. They're probably... You know, he played well, so I don't know that this is something that really needs to be said after a better ball game. The holds tend to be a list of guys that I throw at you after quieter games, but I wanted to get some opinions in there on Bay while I had a moment. And Mike Conley is another dude coming off a better ball game, so probably I don't need to tell you to hold on to him, uh, but I'm going to, and I can see I've left this shared screen uh, on a highlighted Walker Kessler. um, But... Yeah, like with Conley, we saw him settling into that, what i had been describing as kind of just like steering the ship, but lately he's been a little bit more engaged. I want to see if that sticks now that Larry is back. I hope it does. I'm not convinced on it. Now, these middle four names are probably a little bit tougher to hold, and I'll tell you why I am for each of them. The easiest of the four is Kyle Lowry, because we know the heat get banged up. Jimmy Butler's eventually going to miss a ball game. Hero's going to miss a game. Victor Oladipo, who's on this list, is going to miss games. Lowry has a ton of built-in potential in that way, where when the team is fully healthy, he's probably more like a 70 to 100 range guy. But we saw that when a couple of guys are down, one guy's down, he moves up to 60. Two guys are down, he's top 50. Like, there's all that built in, and then there's still the high floor of just being a full-time starting point guard. So don't drop Kyle Lowry. Guys, throw through these little slumps. The old men players, uh, everybody gets so mad on the internet when they have one or two quiet weeks, and we got to go through this same uh, silly dance over and over again and come back to the same spot in the end. Second easiest one, I think, is Josh Hart. He's been really good most of the year. He's having a confidence issue, and frankly, the Blazers are losing, so he's got to get this thing figured out, I think, soon. Um, I'm not dropping him, but from a team perspective, I think he needs to get this thing figured out. So hold on to heart. Victor Ladepo, probably the third easiest among these to hang on to. Uh, I, I'm not fully convinced that he's going to have nine cat value when the team's fully healthy, but they're coming off a blowout. So it was really hard to get a feel for what everybody was on the heat in that last ball game. We need to see at least one, probably more like two or three more. And that's the same general idea with the last name on this list, which is D'Anthony Melton, who's looked flat-out awful over the last, what is it, three-ish games now? He has done next to nothing in those contests. However, however, his minutes were back up at starters-level minutes in their last ball game, And that's, to me, that's something. Uh, because there were a few games in there where uh, where the minutes weren't particularly high. He was down at like 22 or something like that. Um, and that worried me. But the minutes going back up to where they should be was a positive note. Even if the situation still remains kind of bad. The situation remaining bad, what I mean by that is, uh, and I've said it on the show before, it's... He's Right now, he's with the starters, which other than P.J. Tucker, these are guys that are all going to go get shots up and handle the basketball. James Harden is running the pick and roll. Joel Embiid is doing all of his stuff with the pick and roll, sometimes in the post. Tobias Harris is playing off of those guys. He's going to be the first option that's not one of the two main superstars. So Melton is left with very little to do. And that's not good for his fantasy value. But we've seen it before. It tends to take him a week or two to kind of figure out what is he supposed to do in his new surrounding. And every time something happens with that team, it's Melton that has to be the guy who adjusts. He's the adjuster. He was coming off the bench when the team was healthy at the beginning of the year. He figured it out. Started to kind of take control a little bit of that bench unit. Moved into the starting unit when James Harden or when Embiid went down first started to drop back towards the bench. James Harden went down for a while. Then a bunch of guys were out, and he was just going nuts because Tyrese Maxey was out forever. So they just kept changing what they needed Melton to be doing. Play off of Harden, play off of Embiid, play off of no one, drive the ship. Now it's play off of everybody. Okay, uh, I'm going to not really assert myself for a little bit, and then I'll settle in. But he still has that base of big defensive stats. He gets a ton of steals, a ton of steals. He does get some blocks from a guard spot. He tends to actually rebound and assist all right, although, again, in the starters' unit, you have to assume that is going to come down a little bit. What I want to see is, as he gets comfortable, we're talking about DeAnthony Melton right now, as he gets comfortable with this starters' bunch, does he then start to do a little bit more? And I'm inclined to think the answer is probably yes. So let's give him a little bit longer... It's not an infinite leash. If he's terrible for another two or three ball games, we probably end up moving on. But I, to me, it's got to be a little bit longer than this. Let's move on to the watch list. Sabin Lee's on the watch list. I don't. If uh, I think Chris Paul will probably be back, not too far. He was ruled out the morning of the ball game, of their contest on Thursday. By the next one, he probably gets a little closer maybe to game time before being ruled out, something like that. I would expect Chris Paul back within the next week. And Lee had a good game coming off the bench, so I don't know how much we can trust him anyway. Dwight Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith are on the watch list, mostly because we don't know what's going to happen here. Kind of buried the lead on that piece of news, and frankly, I kind of forgot that it had happened until we got on air. Uh, But Christian Wood was hurt, or the diagnosis came out yesterday yesterday uh, he has a fracture in his non-shooting hand. He's going to be re-evaluated in a week. We saw something similar with Demonis Sabonis. He basically just took a day off and then played through it. I, Sabonis is different. Every fracture is a little bit different. Um, Wood's going to take a week off and then kind of see how it goes, which obviously terrible news for Christian Wood. But does it elevate anyone else on the Mavericks is the big question. I love any center playing big minutes with Luka Doncic because they're gonna have opportunity. If that turns out to be Dwight Powell playing 28 plus minutes per ball game while Wood is out, then he becomes a must-stream kind of guy. If they mix and match, uh, do we see some JaVale McGee, Maxi Kleba's still out? Do you even see maybe a super small ball Finney Smith at the five? If it's a lot of mixing and matching, it becomes hard to grab any of those dudes. But Dorian Finney-Smith would probably have the best path to value if some of his minutes now slide up to the center spot. More blocks, more rebounds, things that you know he doesn't get a ton of anyway. But if you start to click those up a little bit, he becomes pretty interesting. I actually added Emmanuel quickly in a couple of spots. He's the next name on my watch list. But I actually did kind of pre-add him in a few places. And I think I'm... I think I differ from a lot of what I was seeing on social media when Mitchell Robinson was diagnosed with thumb stuff, and we talked about it, I think, on yesterday's show, that I think the Knicks are going to go small a little bit more, meaning previously it was Mitchell Robinson for starters-level minutes at the center spot, a smattering of center minutes for Isaiah Hartenstein, a smattering of minutes at times for Jericho Sims, and then Julius Randle filled in the rest, whatever that was, a couple of minutes here and there but not very much. I don't think Mitchell Robinson's minutes are just going to get clupped in the middle and handed off to Hartenstein and Sims. Frankly, those guys haven't deserved uh, to split 30 extra minutes per ballgame. What I believe is going to happen is that those guys maybe split like 20 of them and you see an extra, I don't know, anywhere from 5 to 10 center minutes from Julius Randle, which means the best player from the bench that's not a center, probably sees extra time. And that's been Emmanuel quickly all season long. So perhaps he goes from 24, 25 minutes a game up to closer to 30 during this stretch, in which case he becomes a streamable player. It's pretty weird to to hear a center go down and like the smallest dude on the team is the guy that wins out. But I actually think there's a decent chance that that's what happens. Would I advise all of you to pre-add Emmanuel quickly? I don't know if you have to. He was in the process of being dropped in a lot of leagues because the Knicks were getting healthy, so he might still be on some teams just kind of lingering from the R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson injuries. Uh, But you might, like, you know, the Knicks have a game here coming up. Uh, When do they play? They're at 4.30 Pacific time tonight. They're in Atlanta at 4.30. You might know by halftime. If Quickly plays 15 first-half minutes, you might just grab him then. And then K.J. Martin is on this list because Jabari Smith Jr. got hurt and Kevin Porter Jr. is still out. And, you know, how many juniors can you jam into one roster? Uh, K.J. just would continue to see more and more and more every time somebody goes down. His game isn't super roto-friendly. Free throws in particular have been trouble. Uh, Both percentages, I think, at times have been a problem for him. Uh, but it does feel like he'll rack up enough counting stats with all of those guys down. I mean, these are Kevin Porter Jr. and then Jabari Smith. That's like the one and the three usage guys on that team, typically. I don't know how we feel about Eric Gordon there, but that means a lot more for everybody else. That's your watch list for now. Let's do the buy lows. There are two of them. I don't have any sells right now, interestingly enough. And it's not that some guys aren't doing better. It's that I don't think they've done better long enough to make their value stick as a perception. Like, Jordan Poole's been better, and the Warriors are sitting their entire team tonight. So Poole's going to go nuts in this this Friday evening game. But I think overall his efficiency is just getting better. He's starting to be more like the Poole we saw last year but you're not going to get a good enough thing for him. Like he might just ride top 50 now for a month or two, but you're probably not going to be able to get that back for him if you sent him out. So that's why there aren't any sell highs right now. Uh, two buy lows we've talked about over the course of the week, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is going to have a hot game at some point here. And then this is not going to be something you can buy low on anymore. And then Jakob Purtle, we did a little segment on him. I think that was two shows back where someone might be panic selling Purtle thinking he's going to nosedive when in fact he probably just levels off around where he's been anyway. Uh, So if you can get him for slightly less than his current rank, that's got to be the target there. That's why that's something that you would consider doing. We're going to kind of lightening our way through the stream board um, because they're all relatively straightforward and the, you know, I'll give you the stream and then I'll give you the player that you want to throw them with um, or the player that they're sort of attached to in terms of like, how long should I be doing this thing? It's all relatively straightforward. I don't think there's anything too crazy. Um, But what I've also tried to do here is cut down the stream board to only players that I feel extremely confident are going to have value And if I don't, then I've notated them, and I'll do so here on the podcast. Slow-mo, easy one. He's been crushing lately. We got so many slow-mos on all these teams, and I'm hoping you guys do as well. That's tied to Carl anthony Towns. Nas Reed has been excellent lately. Could have even been better if not for some foul trouble. Um, That's tied to Rudy Gobert. Andrew Nemhard and T.J. McConnell tied to Tyrese Halliburton. They've each been uh, ranging from fine to very good on a given night. Nemhard looked much better in their last one, so he's coming around. McConnell's been dominant. Uh, Trey Murphy, who is getting his confidence back a little bit, that one's tied to all sorts of stuff. Everybody's hurt on the Pelicans. Dennis Smith Jr. tied to Lamelo Ball. Rashawn Holmes tied to Demonis Sabonis, who might very well be back, so that one could get wiped off the board here before the ball ballgame. Grayson Allen, which is another one that could get wiped off because we were hearing that Giannis and Chris Middleton might be back for the Bucks tomorrow. That's a Saturday game. Two names on the streamer board that are kind of uh, teetering for me. Karis LaVert. He had a really good game with Donovan Mitchell out, but he's been kind of hit or miss even when a superstar has been down. Uh... And also we saw, uh, the word is that Donovan Mitchell actually went through a bunch of the Cavs practice, so he might even be back for their next ball game. And then Najee Marshall, who uh, does a really good job with points, boards, and assists, but has struggled in the other six fantasy categories, so he does profile a bit more as some sort of, if you want to put the range between specialist and points league type of guy. But I put him on the board because he does get a lot of those popcorny stats, and... Um, there, there's a place for that on a lot of teams as as well. Uh, okay, that's the stream board. I went through it fast. We're also going to do a weekend preview. And I'm going to do this relatively fast as well because uh, we're going to look at all 30 teams in the weekend preview. And then we kind of loop back around on Monday and go through it and, and see what happened. So uh, we'll just start with tonight. We'll go through the games as they're coming. And we had a couple of folks actually say that this was their favorite part of some of these shows, is kind of getting ready for the evening. How do do we prepare ourselves on the fantasy side for what's coming up, and then kind of what do we do with certain pieces of information if we then get it? New Orleans, Brandon Ingram already ruled out. He'll show up at some point, maybe. We don't know. Maybe he won't. Perhaps Brandon Ingram has uh, fallen into a wormhole. Someone's finally catching up on his episodes of Manifest. (laughs) Uh, Trey Murphy, to me, is a star. We just talked about Najee Marshall as well. I don't think that I'd go much farther than that, although Jose Alvarado is streamable if you need steals and, like, four assists. Orlando, we've kind of gotten a reset on the Magic here lately, and it's effectively kind of the core dudes at this point, and I wouldn't go beyond that with them. Jonathan Isaac actually got reassigned to the Magic, but he's not set to play in this ball game. Uh, conditioning is kind of coming around these days. Uh, that'll be a really interesting thing to follow when it shows up. I don't know the, what we're going to do with it necessarily, but you know, again, Roto Games Cap, this is this is your opportunity to pick him up and sit on him and basically look to see what you get from Isaac like three weeks from now. Golden State, everybody's resting in this one, so have at it, man. The one, the player I would trust the most would be Dante DiVincenzo, behind Jordan Poole, who's already on rosters. If you want to go for kind of that one-game burst, Dante would be a good one. Cleveland, Donovan Mitchell is questionable. We haven't had a final ruling on him yet. Hopefully he goes, but they should be somewhat cautious with it. We shall see. Um, if he doesn't play, as we just talked about, the... Uh, whether we use Karis LeVert is still kind of floating in the balance. Miami relatively healthy. Uh, I'd like to see what Victor Oladipo is going to do now that everybody's kind of back around for them. But that not much else with the Heat. Dallas first game without Christian Wood. Can we get good performances from Powell or Finney Smith? Be ready to act on Dallas. There, this is an interesting spot. Um, again, the Wood stuff, the Christian Wood stuff. He's reevaluated in one week. Reevaluated, so it could be longer from a schedule standpoint they play every other day starting today and going through the next five ball games i think so their schedule is fine if unspectacular uh, but that does mean that they do still have two games the rest of this week which matches the most that anybody has can have over a three-day stretch so there may be something there if you want to get out in front of it The Knicks, I'm watching Emmanuel quickly, more than I'm watching even the backup centers on that team. Atlanta, Clint Capella seems to have regained that starting spot. Bogdan Bogdanovich, we've talked about as a possible buy low. Clippers are in San Antonio. It sounds like the Stars will be back for LA in what should be a cakewalk, although we'll see how it goes. Um, The minutes for Paul George is kind of the only thing I'm concerned with, and then I guess we can keep tabs on Terrence Mann as more of a head-to-head type of play when the schedule allows. For the Spurs, uh, there really isn't much right now. You're just sort of sitting and watching to see if anybody's gonna get moved. Someone will. But when? But when? We're under three weeks from the trade deadline. Brooklyn on the back to back. They gotta they gotta get a win. I would have thought they might arrested some folks, but it's an altitude back to back. However, they're not coming from a late Pacific time game. They're coming from uh where the hell was... Bro- no, they were. Uh, where is is Phoenix on Pacific time right now? <laughs> I lose track of this stuff. Um, that's a good question. Phoenix fluctuates. It's one of the states that that doesn't go in between. I believe they are on Pacific time right now, but I'm not 100% sure. So this would actually be a really tough game. The travel is shorter than if you're coming from, like, the farthest reaches of Pacific time. Like, Portland would be rough, uh, but Brooklyn's going to have to play because they can't just afford to lose every single ballgame when Kevin Durant comes down. Uh, what does that mean for fill-ins? Well, I've kind of moved on from Royce O'Neal. It, do- it just doesn't seem like any of these guys is going to be able to stick necessarily. Uh, Utah, let's get another look at Mike Conley here. He's like the- I know it's weird that he's the guy I'm watching, but I want to see him do more, and they're better. The Jazz are better when he does do more. I am less concerned with all these other fringy guys because I think they've pretty much all fallen off. Indiana, same stuff as usual. Uh, The Halliburton fill-ins, that's about it. Denver, Nikola Jokic just got ruled questionable. Last time they gave him a day off, there was no real winner because the whole team just kind of gets worse when he's not playing. Oklahoma City, uh, no changes there. Almost nothing, actually, that I'm paying attention to. Kenrich Williams is sort of this, like, if you catch him on a back-to-back, maybe that's worthwhile. Sacramento, Demond Sabonis, Rashawn Holmes, that's the only thing to watch there. Other than, you know, Sabonis doesn't play. We also saw Keegan Murray got a bounce because of the rebounding stuff. So that also does come into the mix. Um, but then beyond that, it's all the sort of other guys that are on rosters. They just do a little bit more. Memphis is in L.A. This game should be a throttling. And I do still think maybe LeBron sits it out which means if you want to get out in front of it, perhaps Dennis Schroeder is something to just float out there. But you can always wait on the injury news. Maybe LeBron plays. Maybe he thinks that they have a shot in this game. I I just don't. Memphis is the hottest team in the NBA, and they're not just sneaking by clubs. They are brutalizing teams. Anyway, let's go to Saturday. Boston, nothing. Now that they're healthy, it's the starting five. In all of your faces... Yeah, there, I said it. In all of your faces, those of you who keep giving me crap on Al Horford, he's number 65 in 9-cat. What's your problem, everybody? Sick of it. Toronto, starters. Orlando, we talked about Washington. Eh, the Daniel Gafford thing is is indeed a little bit upsetting. Uh, keep an eye on DeLon Wright. He's been looking better. I'd love to see his minutes trend up from where they generally have been. He had that one game where he played more, but it's hard for me to see it sticking. They just have... Kind of too many guards when they're healthy. And wings, frankly, that can slide down and play shooting guard. Charlotte, uh, likely no Lamelo ball. I think he's been ruled out for this game already. So Dennis Smith Jr. and then also what it means for anybody else. Ton of Terry Rozier. If he can keep his recent efficiency up and add a bunch of the Lamelo ball touches, I don't want to get greedy or anything, but I'm going to get Greedy. Milwaukee, we talked about. Uh, Middleton, Giannis, perhaps, perhaps back tomorrow. Cleveland, already discussed. Houston, uh, again, if if there's no Jabari Smith Jr. and no Kevin Porter Jr., then how does that shake up some of the usage out there? K.J. Martin, etc. Minnesota, Rudy Gobert's status is kind of the only thing you're paying attention to. Phoenix, the next ballgame, you're watching to see if Chris Paul perhaps gets back in the mix. I don't think anybody else is all that close. I think Landry Shamit is... Actually, I don't know what his deal is. We might see Landry Shamit for that ballgame. Philly, you're watching D'Anthony Melton, and then we talked about Sacramento, and then who doesn't go? Here's the old who doesn't go game. Sunday, Clippers we talked about, Dallas we talked about, New Orleans, Miami, New York, Toronto, Memphis, Phoenix, OKC, Denver, Brooklyn, Golden State, Lakers, and Blazers I think might be the only team. And then, of course, you've got the Bulls and Pistons that don't play all weekend long, so no reason to talk about those clubs. Portland, I would like to see if anything kind of shifts there. They've just been mostly in free fall, outside of picking on the Mavs, who were just completely beat after the Lakers' billion overtime win, and then Luka sat in the second game of their little head-to-head. But the Blazers have basically lost every other ballgame they played. Do they have to change anything? It feels like they do, but we shall see. And then Golden State, um, we know everybody's sitting this ballgame. They're giving different reasons for a lot of them. Klay Thompson, injury management. Draymond Green, toe. Steph Curry, hip. Andrew Wiggins was foot or something. I don't think any of these are real. I would assume they're all back for that Warriors next ball game, but just keep sort of one half an eye on it, and then we'll talk about all that stuff when we loop back around on Monday. Recorded listeners, I love you all forever. You've been with me so long. Come join us on YouTube next time. Hit up the chat room with questions uh, and hang out over there. Again, I am at... Dan Vesperus on Twitter. Also, bug me if you want to cover a team. I'm going to throw that back out there again today on this uh, on this podcast. If you want to cover a team for sports ethos, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, whatever it might be, toss me a line, why don't you? At Dan Bespris on Twitter. Say, Dan, I'm interested in covering a team. And I'll reply to you. We can DM about it. Maybe it's something that kickstarts a sports coverage career for you. Who knows? Who knows? Again, that's at Dan Vespers over on Twitter. Have a great weekend, everybody. Reverse chronological lightning round Monday on the other side, and we will talk to you all then.